Hi, Aurelia. Hi, Katie. How are you? You know, I'm really good. I'm on, what is this? I feel like it's my fifth Sunday in a row, basically. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it is nice. I had a few days off and for Christmas and then a couple yeah. days off for New Year's. I love vacation. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> right, yeah. Who doesn't? I truly like have not it feels like I have not left my house in a few days and I haven't like you're the first person I've talked to other than Joe in the past like two days um we've been just living in this weird like purgatory state it feels like um where we just watch a lot of tv and at some point we eat throughout the day and that's that's pretty much it um which has been great <laughs> yeah that's not complaining good. Um, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of cooking. Uh, good for you. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you, I, so I got my instant pot air fryer. Oh, you did? The one, yeah. The one that oh. you told me to get. Okay. I got it and I made risotto on New Year's Eve with it. Nice. Uh, very, very easy and wonderful. I have not yet used the air fryer part, but I am excited to do so. So, my, so far, my... so good. I'm so glad that you like it. I figured you would. It's really nice. Yeah. Like, it just takes a lot of time out of stuff, especially, like, I like to cook a larger amount so that I can have, like, leftovers to eat later, mm-hmm. and it's good mm-hmm. for that. Um, my recommendation for the air fryer is mozzarella sticks. Like, mm, yeah. never better. That's <laughs> – yeah, I'm going to need to go to, like um... – I got to go to Trader Joe's and just, you know how they have, they have like so many little like appetizer things and I would just yeah. want to get a bunch of them and then just put them, try in them all out. That sounds Really great. go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I made, let's see what I made rice in my instant pot and then I made like stir fry to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, with like very good, very good baby corn. I love baby corn. Do you, I don't I know if that's don't. like the, what I I don't like it. We should. I used this to, is why we should like eat stir fry together, and then you can have all of my baby corns. <laughs> They're so good. I think you should just figure out how to like them. <laughs> um, I used to eat baby corn. This is probably like really weird, but when I would go to my grandma's house, she would always have it, and I would eat a can I would literally just eat a can of baby corn and put Italian salad dressing on it and it was like my favorite thing (laughs) your face but here's the thing I think kids eat a lot of gross things that they think are like I would like really good I would eat that now still here's what I did as a kid that was like my (laughs) snack that I was like this is the best snack in the world and I would still eat it today but it is weird. I would take a piece of string cheese and then I would put it on a plate and then I would put it in the microwave and I would microwave it and then I would just eat gooey melted cheese from the plate. That sounds great. That's not yeah. gross at all. It's just no, like but I, it's future not cheese gross. lovers it's of just America. Like, we, yeah, I weird. <laughs> yeah, we really should have seen that. Really explains so much. Yeah. Oh my you gosh, Aurelia. For your next cheese video, what? Guess how many cheese boards I got for Christmas this year? Like, like 
like wooden boards? Yes. Five. Close. I got four from different people. My parents got me one. My grandma got me one. Joe got me one. And Joe's parents got me one. (laughs) So apparently if you make cheese your whole identity, just a heads up, you're going to get a lot of cheese boards. Did you get any cheese? Uh, Joe, yes. Joe got me some like five different cheeses to go along with it. I've had a few of them. They're very good. Um, I will say for you, uh, I, my godfather, he loves cheese. And every year for Christmas, I just buy him cheese usually. That's very kind of you. Um, but I got him this tulip tree cheese, which we love tulip tree. It's like a local indie. I do indie. have some in my fridge right now. Yes. I got him the Snapdragon. It has habanero in it. It's like a triple cream with habanero. Yes. And I thought you might like that. Have you had that it? That is literally my favorite of their cheeses because it's like if a pepper jack cheese and a brie had a baby. Had a baby. That's yeah. the cheese. And it is so good. And they like never have it at the uh, farmer's market when I go. I got, it so from sad a, it's, uh, it's I so got it from Amelia's. I ordered it online from Amelia's. That's very and smart. they have I it there. Um, okay. Well, they had Good it there know. at that point anyways. Um, and he told me, he's like, yeah, I just like eat a little bit each day. I just take a little <laughs> scoop. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's okay. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, you were talking about TV, like that all you're doing is eating and watching TV, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think we've talked about this yet. And we can talk about it after you watch it, but Bridgerton. I watched it. You did watch it. Did we yes. talk about this? Did I tell no, you to watch it? No, I just it watched okay. it uh, like the past two days. I watched the whole thing. I was like, uh, Joe, do you maybe have some video games that you would like to play? And he was like, What? Do you want to like go work out or something? And I was like, um, No, I will sit right here and be watching something on my phone. <laughs> And I just watched Bridgerton the whole time. Um, it's so good. It's like ridiculous. First of all, it is ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's so ridiculous. It just sucks you in and you can't get out until you're done. It's really like, honestly, it's really like the trifecta of like TV for women. Like yes. what people think women want to watch. It's like Gossip Girl mm-hmm. meets Jane Austen meets yep. like hot CW like actors. That is a perfect description of it. <laughs> Um, but I, 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 I watched it in like one day, yeah. two days, well, two days. To be fair, there's only eight episodes. It's really yeah. quick. Um, and I've been on vacation. Yeah. It was like a good thing to watch right. while I wasn't doing anything. Um, but now I just want to be like, you grace, <laughs> the, the tawn. I, I still don't I know. understand what tawn means. Is it like town? town? Yeah, it's town. That's stupid. I know, I know, but yeah. Anyways, uh, if you're if you're listening and you haven't watched Bridgerton yet, highly recommend. Yeah, it's Bridgerton. a Shonda Rhimes uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. show. Good for her. She's really yeah done so much. Yeah, <laughs> so much for us. So much for us. The guy women. that plays the Duke. I know. Like he's so beautiful yeah like where and, has he been yeah <laughs> oh 
I also, feel like I everyone think... should already be <clears throat> in other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Well, they're like all British. So they could I like be in other true. stuff. Not everything revolves around America. I mean. Well, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And honestly, things should not revolve around America. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think I think the world should ignore us for a little bit while we figure our shit out. And then. Ugh, I know. And then we'll get back to it. But speaking of good things that America has done or people in America have done, mm-hmm. we have a special uh, 2020 wrapped ladies of the year. Yes, we edition. do. And we're not going to really include ladies that we've already highlighted. Obviously, they right. are included. These, This is more um, just some additional people that you may not have heard of uh mm-hmm. or, may- or maybe, or maybe you heard you have about them but then you forgot because so much has happened um yeah and not everyone from this list is a u.s person necessarily most of them are I was just but trying not, to do a transition not a hundred percent you know yeah. it was a very good transition i just don't want to <laughs> lead people astray yeah um, fact checking Back checking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we do have this list. I mean, I I don't even know really where to start, but um, these are just, some, yeah, some women that did great things. Uh, for example, I don't even know when this was. I guess over the summer. When does tennis happen? Is tennis a summer thing? I think so. I think it, it, that feels right. Hmm. Um, but Naomi Osaka, she's only 23. She's ranked number one by the Women's Tennis Association. She is the highest earning female athlete of all time, according to annual income in 2020. And she is the first Asian player to hold the top ranking in singles. And she has won the Grand Slam singles title every year for the past three years, 2018, 2019, 2020. So... She is included on our list because, and, oh, I didn't even include this on my list, but I, because I forgot, but now I just remembered, um, in 2020, I think, okay, this was over the summer because she had like seven matches, I think. And each time she had a different, uh, mask that she wore when she was like off the court that was like Black Lives Matter supporting. I think it had like a different person's name each time, someone who was a victim of police brutality. So Really just all around. Great person. And she's only 23. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, so she's on the list. Do you have someone you – do we want to, like, go back and forth or – Yeah, sure. Okay. That sounds good. Um, okay, the next uh, ladies that we want to highlight um, are – JLo and Shakira for their great halftime show performance. Um, that feels like a world away, like a lifetime has happened. Since I know, then. it was in January. Um, fun fact, my birthday often falls on the Super Bowl every yeah. few years. Um, it was a great halftime show. I always like when they pick... I don't want to say unexpected, but, like, I feel like it's always, like, oh, the 
red hot chili peppers or like pearl jam or like I don't know. I just thought it was nice that they had two Latina women. Yes. And there was like, so there was, I guess, some backlash um, over it because people don't like sexy women. I don't, I don't know. Um, But one of the things that people were like all up in arms about is that Shakira did this like thing with her tongue. Do you remember this? Like this tongue wiggle thing. Yeah. Um, But that's actually like an homage to so she's arabic um or like has some arabic heritage and i guess that is um like a cultural yeah like a cultural thing that clearly i don't know a lot about but uh yeah that (laughs) was part of that so people just need to like calm down i guess they usually do in the words of taylor swift Another person who did a lot in 2020, but uh, oh, everyone knows about that. So she's not like officially on our, on this list, but. Uh, but officially in our hearts. Officially in our hearts. Yes. Yes. Okay, Katie, who you got? Okay. Um, next person is Jacinda Ardern, who is the New Zealand prime minister. And she just got reelected for a second term because she did such a great job handling uh new zealand's covid19 response they were one of the first countries to declare itself free of covid19 and new zealand has five million people which i get is like not a lot compared to the us um but of those five million people only 25 deaths associated with covid19 25 that's it like that's so impressive so um kudos to new zealand kudos to Jacinda and congrats on getting reelected. I think she definitely deserved it. And also just a fun fact, her um, opponent in the race was also a woman. I don't remember her name, um, but like, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Good for you. New um, yeah. Um, okay. The next person I have, uh, and I didn't know about this, um, but Katie and I just watched a video of her doing it, and, like, my mind is blown. Truly blown. Yeah, um, go look up this video once we tell you the name. <laughs> Maya Gabiria. I'm going to – I don't know if that's right, but I did my best. She beat her own world record to surf the largest wave ever surfed by a woman. And when I tell you largest, like, think about the biggest wave and then, like, times that by, like, ten. <laughs> It is crazy. And I, just to be, like, fearless like that, anyone in, um, like, sports, like, surfing or skiing or snowboarding, like, those more extreme sports, mm-hmm. kudos to you. Truly. Um, okay. Uh, oh, I have another one. Do you have one? Oh, okay. No, you can go ahead. Because then I want to do okay. two in a row, so. Okay. Um, the other one that I was going to do is, uh, the wall of moms, uh, in Portland. Um, basically all of these moms formed a barrier between protesters and, um, the federal officers, uh, cause there was, I feel like it was like a rather 
long stretch of time that the federal officers were in Portland trying to, like, um, stop the protests and stuff. Yeah, and also just, like, putting people into unmarked vans. Yeah, that. Not great. Not great. But uh, I will say, like, when really uh, negative things happen, like, I think there's always like a bright spot of humanity like those moms I just think that that's really special yes I agree um and part of it also too comes from like uh George Floyd when he was being murdered he was calling out for his mom and mm-hmm. it's just heartbreaking to think about like these are I mean these are people's children and uh yeah absolutely yeah um okay so my next two people are kind of related just mostly like in similar fields and they're on this list for similar reasons so one is lauren gardner she's a u.s scientist and uh, she's an engineering professor at johns hopkins university and the co-director of the center for system science and engineering she led the team that built the covid19 tracker so this has become the like authoritative source of covid19 case data and it's used by governments by infectious disease researchers and media outlets around the world so part of the reason we're able to do uh, tracking of cases what's what's the word that i'm looking for with this like um like uh not like networking but um <laughs> uh like uh database yeah but it's like when someone tests positive and then they have to like find oh, contact, contact contact tracing. tracing yes contact tracing thank you sorry Ugh. <laughs> uh contact tracing so which is really really important to like stop the spread of COVID-19 and then the other person is Catalin Carico she is a Hungarian biochemist but she works in the U.S. now um so she and her research partner uh who is a man but like good for him anyway um they developed this RNA technique that I don't really understand but it's used by both the Pfizer and Moderna researchers to develop the their COVID-19 vaccines um and she is a favorite along with her research partner for the nobel prize for medicine for this upcoming year so maybe she'll get it very cool um okay i have another one this this is so interesting to me um a teacher her name is julia cook she saved a student's grandmother who was having a stroke over Zoom. That's is that insane. crazy? <laughs> um, I just think that that's like so great. I mean, I think like if you're an adult and you're seeing something happening, like that is that should be your default. Is like, what can I do to fix this? Or you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously way above and beyond, uh, the scope of being a teacher. (laughs) Definitely. And just like a shout out to all teachers during this pandemic, um, my teacher friends from what they have like shared with me and shared on social media, it's just 
like I can't imagine a more disheartening and stressful and anxiety filled time to be a teacher than right now. And um, not not all teachers are women, but we looked this up and 76% of teachers are women. So this is mostly women taking this on and having to deal with all of these like extra pressures and expectations that it's just, I don't think anyone expected when they went into that profession. Um, and then speaking of professions, we should also definitely include nurses on our list for 2020 because, um, I mean, they've given so much of themselves to our country this year and 91% of nurses are women. So again, it's like mostly women having to take on these extra things and put others before themselves. And, you know, of course, nurses sign up saying like, they're, they're going to help people and like they know that going in, but no one could ever predict something like this. And for anyone that's like, well, sorry, you're stressed. It's your job. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not their job to take care of people who consistently tell them that COVID is a hoax while they're dying in a hospital bed. Like that's an insane expectation to have of someone and they're really stepping up to the plate and, you know, we should not be taking them for granted. So do your part Absolutely. in not overwhelming hospitals right now because they're all overwhelmed across the country and just like stay home and wear a mask if you can't stay home. That's that's that. <laughs> um, Colorado has this like campaign called Hang In There, Colorado. And like anytime I'm watching like Hulu or whatever, the their ads always come on and it's like... <laughs> It's like bad first dates or like going out and they were like, things really weren't that great before the <laughs> pandemic. Like, just stay home. That's funny. <laughs> like, like um, that. a really bad first date where the guy like tells her that she like, he was like, is this an old picture? And then he he like, um, I don't know, I'll send it to you. It's ridiculous. Okay. But it is true. Um, and I just think like, really giving healthcare workers and like first responders and teachers mm -hmm. uh, the kudos that they deserve because especially teachers um, are not like compensated enough to deal with all of the shit that they're dealing with. Truly. And I'm sure the same goes for some healthcare workers as well. Like yeah. absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, the last person on our list, this is timely because this upcoming Tuesday, well, okay, so I guess this episode is going to go out on Wednesday, so we might already know the results, but Tuesday is the runoff Senate elections in Georgia, and uh, basically it's super important because the outcome of those two Senate races will determine which party is the majority in the Senate and whether or not Mitch McConnell will remain Senate majority leader. Um, and if he does remain Senate majority leader, that's just, he has a lot, a lot, a lot of power in that position. And uh, the Senate has terms of six years, so he will retain that for possibly six years. Um, so it's really important anyway. A lot of people already know about Stacey Abrams and the work that she has done in Georgia. Um, 
leading up to this point and the work that she did for the 2020 general election. But another person who is of note and people should know her name is Latosha Brown or Latasha Brown. Uh, she is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter Fund, which uh, was created in 2016, but they did a lot to mobilize black voters in the South. They did a bus tour for the general election. They've been canvassing, knocking on like millions of doors for the runoff uh, vote this Tuesday. So just another person maybe to put on your radar and give a follow on like Twitter and Instagram and those kind of things. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's give a round of applause for all of our ladies of Yay. the year. You made it, you did it, you made 2020 better, so thank you. Yes. Um, okay, before we get into our interview, since this is our first episode of 2020, I am curious, like, did you set any New Year's resolutions or not really your thing? I did not set any New Year's resolutions. I thought about it and I feel like in the past I always have, but something I really want to work on this year is um, not having super high expectations of myself, uh, which maybe sounds bad, but that's definitely like something that I have been working on lately is that I place these really high expectations on myself and then I stress about living up to them and that's maybe not like the healthiest way to move through the world and yeah. maybe we should like allow ourselves some grace and allow ourselves to fail or mess up or try new things so uh 2021 I guess if I had to have a new year's resolution it's just gonna be that I am gonna do what I want I'm going to I think that's great just do whatever feels good and feels right. Um, not going to do any kind of like diet, not going to put myself on any kind of like exercise regimen. Um, I mean, also like exercise cause I like doing it, but yeah, I don't want to have any goals like that. That's where I'm at right now with that. What about, what about you? So I, I don't know if this te technically counts as a resolution because I'm kind of on the same page with you. I feel like putting a lot of pressure, like it doesn't always, doesn't usually work out. Um, but I, <laughs> I would like to put on real clothes and makeup if I want to not like for anyone else for myself and like mm -hmm. you know maybe put on some earrings four days a week and nice. that's more just like for my mental health more sure. than like the way that I look or anything like that it's just working from home well I feel super lucky to be able to work from home it does have its own set of challenges especially mm -hmm. since I live alone I, I just uh gets difficult so I think by putting in a little bit of extra time getting dressed like taking care of myself it just makes me feel better so um I'll still be wearing sweatpants on the bottom but as long as I can like <laughs> you know like look a little bit more like professional I think that that'll make me feel better um and feel more like motivated so that's yeah. my goal I'm also 
this is not a resolution, but I am also trying to do a 30-day yoga challenge in January. And it's not for weight loss or anything like that. It's more like I really like yoga Mm -hmm. and I feel so much better when I do it regularly. So it's more just to kind of like set a goal, like set, set a challenge for myself. Cause I I often like give up on things like that. So we'll see. (laughs) Okay. Well keep us posted for sure. I, I will. I will. I did the first day yesterday. So Good so far. Good so far. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we have a super great guest for our episode this week. I actually had a lot of fun talking to her. Our guest is Amber Lambkin of Blush and Blossom Events. She's the owner and like head wedding planner or planner. They do other things, other events. Um, But definitely a space that I feel like a lot of people know of that job but probably don't know like the inner workings or like how you get into doing a job like that so yeah it was really super uh interesting and we had a great time Hi, everyone. Uh, We are so excited. We have a very special guest uh, today Uh, with us is Amber Lambkin of Blush and Blossom Events. Um, And Amber, tell us, uh, what's your, what's your job title, would you say? Well, I'm the owner of the company, but I'm the lead planner um, and designer for my company. Very cool. And you specialize in weddings, but do other events as well. Is that right? I do. I specialize in weddings. That's kind of my sweet spot. But we do everything from bridal showers, baby showers, birthday celebrations, launch parties, any kind of event, you name it, we can do it. Awesome. Well, before we get into our burning questions, we have a little game that we wanted to play. Yeah. Katie, do you want to explain since you you did the research? The very intense research for this. Yes, I will say. Uh, so we thought it would be fun to do kind of like a love it or leave it wedding trends edition. Um, I know Aurelia and I have both been to many, many weddings uh, in the past like few years just because that's kind of where we're at <laughs> with all, with well, all of our friends. Yeah. We were both in sororities too, so I feel yeah. like you're gonna go to a lot of weddings. <laughs> and I went to an all-girls high school, so like, yeah, it's just it's a lot. Um, so we've seen a, a, our fair share of wedding trends in action, and I'm sure you have too. So I have a, just like a little list of things people do at weddings, maybe more current trends or just general trends, uh, and we're curious what your takes on them are. I will say, if you need to plead the fifth on any of these <laughs> due to possibly current clients, uh, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> okay, so first trend, uh, newer, I think fueled by Instagram personally, uh, what is your take on flower walls? Love it or leave it? Um, 
leave it. I think I loved Flower Walls, you know, when they first came onto the scene. I've definitely um, styled events with Flower Walls, but yeah, moving into 2021, I would say leave it. Are we replacing it with any other walls with things on them or we're just moving away from walls? <laughs> I definitely think it's nice to have a like a photo backdrop wall um, mm -hmm. of some sort for your guests because I think that that's fun for them uh, during the evening, especially if it's an event other than a wedding. Absolutely. Um, but I'd love to see more like floral installations in different areas other than just a, a floral wall. I like it. Aurelia and I have a photo of the two of us in front of a donut wall um, from yes, a brunch event that we did. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Okay. Uh, next one. Flip-flops or like comfy shoes out for guests? Uh, I know. Cleaning the fifth. <laughs> or leave it because I, I, I definitely love a comfy shoe. Like I'm the first one to come out of my heels at an mm -hmm. event. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if you're more comfortable, you're going to have a better time. You're going to dance more. You're going to be on the dance floor. So I love that. I just feel like as a planner who has had several clients do this, lots of flip-flops are just left over. So it's kind of wasteful. Mm. So, so love it in the sense that like it is so useful, but leave it because it's uh, very wasteful, I feel. So donate all of your leftover flip-flops if, if you're gonna do it maybe commit to like donating yes that was I would that say, I'm gonna say leave it and okay. I would say get your bridal party comfy shoes and let the guests take care of themselves that's what uh my friend did when I was in her wedding a couple years ago and it actually worked out pretty well because uh I'm like yeah I'm always just down to like go barefoot pretty much immediately, um, like no shame <laughs> at all. Um, but someone like dropped a glass on the dance floor. And so then the, whoever like works at the venue was very on top of like, if they saw anyone barefoot, they were like, no, go put shoes on. And so it was very thankful that we had these like cute metallic goldy ballet flats uh, that I could throw on. So yes, that was helpful. Yes, no bare feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we have, this is kind of an oldie, but disposable cameras. Leave it. No. Interesting. Okay. I, you know, I just feel like the quality is not so great. I mean, I definitely have a lot of clients that do the like Instix cameras, the like mm -hmm. Polaroids. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, that's fun, but what do you really do with those pictures after the fact? Like, where do they go? Assuming totally. you have a professional photographer there yeah. who's like really taking photos. Yeah. yeah. And the way <laughs> I've been to with the disposable camera, I feel like you drunk people just like take ridiculous pictures, right? Maybe take memories that you don't want to, to remember or something. I, I went to a wedding where they had the, yeah, the Polaroid cameras and then they had a little book so you could like put your Polaroid camera into the book and then write a little note and I it was at a winery and I was so I was like wine drunk which is uh, like a different <laughs> kind of drunk and I was writing like not appropriate things in there and now I'm so mortified 
So like that's their like something to look back at from their wedding. Now they have like two kids, so they probably are more focused on other things. But <laughs> I sure. said look for the photo booth over the like Polaroid camera. Okay. okay. That was next on our list. So your pro photo booth. Yes. Um, but like a more upscale photo booth. So not like your typical, you know, photo booth with your typical like cloth backdrop. Mm -hmm. But now like, really kind of um they've done a lot with photo booths. Like they've come a long way. And so you can get some really cool back backgrounds. So I say yes. Love it. Love a photo booth. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. And you can make it look nice, like with whatever the theme is, like whatever you've got going on. So it's not like sticking out, like out of place. Yeah. I just love like, like crisp white backdrop. And they've even got ones where like you look more airbrushed, which I love that. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Fun. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> okay. So next is non-traditional wedding dresses. Love it. I love it. I think that moving forward into 2021, I think we're going to see a lot of traditions kind of fly out the window. And I love, Ooh. you know, a different dress, a dress that has some color to it even. I'm a big fan of the, like the pink, uh, like the, the light pink blush. Yeah. I could really vibe with that. Okay. Next we have uh, sparklers leave it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many weddings I've done where we've had sparkler exits and it's just not a good thing when there's so many intoxicated people. Um, yes. So it feels dangerous. So yes. So I would say leave it. Like it's, everybody's done it. It's not original anymore. Find something else. Totally. Totally. Um, how about like throwing rice or confetti? Um, I think that a lot of venues don't allow rice anymore just because I think it has like an effect on yeah, yeah, like, it's like bad for them. I love like throwing something sweet and simple like um, lavender or you know some sort of like herb or something like that. Um, I think that's sweet and it makes for really good pictures at the end of the night. So yeah, absolutely. That's fun. I would never have thought of that, obviously. It's lavender sounds not in the biz. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I threw lavender at my own wedding, and it smelled amazing. It mm. made really good pictures. I will say that I was, like, picking it out of my dress and my hair, like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the night. <laughs> but it smelled really good. And who doesn't love running down a tunnel with people cheering for you? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, last one, party bus. Love it. <laughs> I love a party bus. As long as you don't get so wasted that when you get to your end destination, you're just a total mess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it probably gives, like, the bridal party time to, like, hang out with each other and, yeah. and some fun memories and stuff. I feel like it, it allows the couple some time to just like kick back and relax because mm -hmm. I the entire day you're just being like rushed from place to place to place to place and your nerves you know 
are at an all-time high. And I think that time with your friends on the party bus, you know, headed to your venue, it's just time for you to like kick back. For sure. Are you, this is not on our list. So Aurelia, I'm really going off the rails here. Um, (laughs) Are you more pro photos before the ceremony or after, like in between? Okay. I'm, I'm torn. So from a standpoint of like timing and me worrying about logistics of the day, it is so much easier when brides and grooms choose to do photos before and do it. That's what I've heard. Because it gives you more time to get the shots that you want and you're not feeling rushed because there's, you know, that time crunch between, um, the ceremony and the reception cocktail hour is usually only 45 minutes to an hour. And there's just no way that you can get all the photos that you want in that short amount of time. So I would say, yeah, if you, if you aren't super traditional and you are okay with doing a first look, I always encourage it. I mean, but myself, like I didn't want my husband to see me before I walked down the aisle. So I was totally guilty of being that bride. (laughs) Like no first look. I do not want him to see me. And so Mm -hmm. majority of our pictures were after, but we were, rushed for time. Yeah, I went to, I had like multiple uh, weddings of friends who they did their photos in between and their, the time between their ceremony and then the reception, it was like five or six hours of downtime. And that was a long time to like try to find things to do around town because it wasn't like, I couldn't just go home. And then like show up later. It was like we had to find things to do. So that was, that was tricky. I'm not like faulting them for it at all, but it was just tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that certain weddings, like a lot of Catholic weddings will happen. Like That's what they were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of just something that we have to work around when you're dealing with a Catholic wedding. A lot of times it'll happen at like 11 o'clock or 2.30 Um, And so there is a lot of that downtime. So, but it's good for the photographer in a sense that if the bride and groom don't see one another before the ceremony, then they do have plenty of time to do photos afterwards. And a lot of times we just encourage the guests to like go to a a bar. Yeah. So Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So we always start off our interview with kind of the same question for everyone. And that is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Or were you like always wanting to be a wedding planner? Yeah, no. Um, I guess I started really thinking about my career path when I was in high school. Um, and I originally thought I was going to go into the healthcare industry. So um, I had planned to be a doctor, went to school. Doctor. Um, my undergraduate degree is actually in biology. And so all throughout college, I thought I was going to be like, either a doctor or a physician's assistant or like a medical examiner or something along those lines. So definitely did not um, know. Yeah, kind of a shift. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit. Um, But I did have an inkling in college that I did want to shift to events um, and even thought about changing my major um, like towards the end of my college experience. Um, But I just kind of stayed the path and finished my biology degree and then you know, several years later, that's when I, you know, still had that desire to do something more and do something creative. So, Is there, if, let's say that someone knows early on that they want to do event planning, is there like a major you would recommend for that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't really know. 
so, you know, I'm going to show my age here, but like <laughs> when I was in college, you know, there wasn't like a wedding planning or an event planning yeah. um, major, but now so many different colleges and universities have like an events industry or a hospitality okay. that you can go into. So I am seeing a big shift in um, more of like newer planners coming out of school with background in that or a background in like marketing, I think is really helpful. But anything in the, like the hospitality industry, I think is helpful as a background. So how did you get into event planning? Did you work for another planning business before you went off on your own? So I did not. I never interned with a planner, never worked for an event planner before I kind of dove in. Um, I was actually working in a private school um, at the time, and I planned my own wedding. Um, I didn't have a wedding planner. I planned my own wedding um, and was pretty successful in that. And so that kind of um, brought back that like desire to want to plan that I had felt in college. Um, and I, I felt like, you know, I am a very detail oriented person. I really like logistics. I like timelines. Um, so it came very natural to me. So I planned my own wedding and that kind of sparked the interest again. And then one of my sorority sisters was getting married and asked me to plan her wedding as well. And so that was kind of like the spark that ignited, you know, everything to just kind of fall in place. And how long have you owned Blush and Blossom for? Yeah, so we um, were established in 2016. So the end of 2016, and then I kind of launched my business to the world um, in January of 2017. So we're still, you know, pretty new. Very cool. What are some of the like learning curves maybe that maybe someone who like intentionally went to school or maybe interned, like you said, with an event planner, like they would know about, but you kind of had to like figure out or were surprising to you? Yeah. I think as a wedding planner, you wear so many hats as like an owner. Um, and so initially going in, I thought like, oh, you know, I'm really good at planning and like, I'm super type A, this is perfect for me. And like the creative part kind of came naturally, but what I didn't like plan for, or I don't want to say plan for, but like what I wasn't as prepared for was a lot of the like back end stuff. So like the business um, things, you know, like worrying about taxes, you know, worrying about um, employees versus independent contractors and what's the difference. Um, you know, just a lot of the like day-to-day -day things, um, blogging, like having a social media content calendar, just all of those types of things that you don't think about, like a lot of the management parts um, that aren't like the pretty parts, you know, like when you see somebody's Instagram feed, you see all of the like beautiful parts of owning a wedding planning business and you don't see the like day-to-day -day grind that goes with it. So how did you how did you figure all of that stuff out? Was it very much just like trial and error or? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And everybody I talk to, it's like the same thing. I mean, you just kind of learn as you go. Um, it's that whole like fake it till you make it. Like you look like you've got the whole package and really you're just like scrambling to make sure that everything is covered. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of, it's just been a lot of like learn as you go. 
and, you know, learning from mistakes that you make. Um, you know, every year I learn something valuable that I um, make note of for, you know, the upcoming year. So it's just, it's a learning experience, I think, with any business, no matter what industry you're in. For sure. So how do uh, clients um, usually find out about you? Is it like word of mouth or website? Like what's your, uh, your process there? Yeah. So for me, um, most of my clients find me um, by word of mouth. So they'll hear about me from a former client. Like, you know, there's, I planned their sorority sister's wedding or, you know, their fiance works with somebody and I planned his wedding. Um, or they'll hear about me through another vendor or a venue. So I get a lot of referrals from like photographers or florists, um, or venues. So I would say that's probably like the number one place where my clients find me. And then also, um, Instagram has been helpful, um, even more so than like my online presence, I would say. Interesting. Do you work with a lot of like the same venues and maybe the same, like, photographers or same florists, like kind of have a little group of people you pull from? I do. I mean, there's obviously uh, so many talented people here in Indianapolis. Um, and so I always love working with like new vendors that I've never worked with before. I definitely have a core group of people I'd love to work with or people that I like recommend for my clients. Um, and then living in Indianapolis, there are not a ton of wedding venues here. Um, and I would say, you know, you typically will work at the same venues over and over again. So just making, um, connections with the people there, um, and forming relationships with the people at the venues has been invaluable. Have you ever done, uh, planned a wedding at like a really unique venue or like somewhere out of the ordinary? Not real. I mean, I wouldn't say out of the ordinary. I, I feel like a lot of indie people are very traditional in that they just, you know, like want to find a venue. They're not like off the beaten path. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's not like we live somewhere where you can get married in the mountains or like in the forest. Right. It's like, here's a cornfield. Good luck. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did plan a wedding last year that was on the family's private property and they had like several acres and it was on this beautiful lake. And so it was like a tinted wedding and there were several different areas for guests to be. So that was pretty um, unique and it was really sentimental. Um, but I would say, no, I haven't really done like a ton of unique places. Okay, yeah. cool. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so is there anything that you think people planning a wedding or um, is there anything you think would surprise people or things that people don't take into consideration ahead of time? I think just in general, people go into planning a wedding with a false sense of how much a wedding costs to produce. Um, and I think part of the problem is, you know, we live in an age where um, Pinterest is everything. You know, these women and, and men have been pinning their dream wedding for years and years. And so they have an idea of, 
what they want the aesthetic of their wedding to be and uh, they don't know the price that is attached to what they want. And so while everybody longs to have this like beautiful, lush, stunning wedding, many times they're shocked to see the price that comes along with everything that is involved in producing a wedding. So I would say, yes, people don't really know, or they come in with an initial budget and they think that they're really going to stick to that budget. Um, and many times they don't because they want what they can't afford. Interesting. <laughs> what, and if you don't know the answer to this, that's like totally fine. But what would you say is maybe like the average that, people end up spending at least here in Indy? I would say here in Indy, like a lot of weddings are around like 35,000 um, to 40,000. I would say that's <laughs> probably average. <laughs> and it's hard to think like, wow, I'm dropping like $35,000 on one day. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I would say that's the average wedding, or at least that's like the average wedding that I work with. It's usually around sure. 30,000. Yeah. I'm planning on doing um, a wedding similar to the one in Crazy Rich Asians where I walk through water oh. down the <laughs> That That's not going to be too much, right? That's a good movie. Speaking of movies. Oh, yeah. I, like I, I want to know, do pe like after I ask this question, I would like to know if people ask you this all the time. <laughs> um, but do you think the movie The Wedding Planner was like got anything right or wrong in its portrayal? And like, are people are people like, oh, like the movie when you tell them what you do? You know, I do, people do think that a lot. They're like, oh, The Wedding Planner, and it's like, yes, there are things that were in that movie that are realistic. Like, you are in a million places at once. You are, you know, you do have lots of people depending on you, and you are putting out a million fires. Um, so in a sense, like, yes, they did get that part right. But I mean, obviously everything was very exaggerated. And I think a lot of people don't realize that most, you know, wedding planners are like one woman show or a one man show. I mean, you've got like a team of people that help you produce a wedding, like day of production assistance, but like most wedding planners, at least here in Indy or in the Midwest, it's not like a huge firm. So you're not going into like a building or your studio every day with a team of people. A lot of times you're just like working out of your home office and it's just you and your assistant. That's good to know because it really, it's, it sounds like it's very much a balance of you have to be a people person because you're working with clients and trying to like make them happy and then building these relationships with uh, vendors and venues, but then you're spending a lot of time by yourself too. So Absolutely. people would have to be okay with both. There are so many hats, like you're doing everything in your business. And a lot of times people think like, oh, you have a writer writing all your blog posts and you have somebody managing your social media and somebody's taking care of like the bills and the payments and the taxes. But it's like, no, really, you just are doing everything. <laughs> Are you kind of hoping to, like, would you like to bring on other people to help out with that? Is I, I know you're still new, like the Blush and Blossom events is still new, so that would probably be, like, in the future, but is that a goal, or do you want to stick with just you? I think it's a goal that I would love to have, um, you know, a core group of 
people that I work with. And I do have two people that work with me um, on almost all of my weddings. And so they help me on the day of just executing everything. Um, and they've been with me since the beginning. And so I love that. I do want to stay more of like a boutique business and that I don't want to become like a huge firm. Um, but I do, you know, plan to have a couple of planners kind of become lead planners eventually so that if, um, there's a wedding and I have a wedding already booked and somebody else is interested in that date, then I can kind of give it to my other lead planners or if I'm sick or what, you know, God forbid something arose and I couldn't attend a wedding there, there would always be somebody to kind of take over the reins. So yes, absolutely. I would love to scale in that sense. And how many weddings are you usually planning at once? Yeah. So, um, 10 is like my sweet spot. Um, I, I like to stay around 10 a year. Um, because I also have a full-time job. So this is not my only job. Um, and so just making sure that I can balance both and do a really good job doing both um, is important to me. And I like to work really closely with my clients. Um, so 10 is like my sweet spot per year. That sounds what like a lot your, to me, but. <laughs> what, is, what is your uh, other job, if you don't mind me asking? I'm a full-time elementary teacher. Oh, cool. Education. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So I know we talked a little bit about uh, wedding trends earlier. Um, in the weddings that you're planning right now, are you seeing any like new trends for 2021 or anything unique that um, couples have asked for? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like for 2021, the trends that I foresee would still be these smaller, intimate, you know, weddings, obviously, because of um, COVID restrictions. But even after COVID restrictions, I still foresee like more intimate weddings and people just inviting the people that are really close to them and dear to their heart. Um, so these smaller weddings, I think outdoor weddings are becoming um, more important to couples. Um, and so I'm seeing a lot more tinted weddings um, because they want to have the like indoor outdoor feel. Um, so that's something that I'm noticing. I'm seeing, I think in 2021, we're gonna see more color. I think this past year and even in 2019, it was a lot of like neutrals and you know, these like nude color palettes, a lot of like whitewashed or um, you know, nude or mauve or blush tones, but I think we're gonna see more color in 2021, for sure. I've definitely had a lot of um, brides who are not afraid of color for the upcoming year, which is really exciting because that's I'm, I'm more of like a neutral person myself. Um, so I love, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone and like working with a lot of color. So I, I definitely see more splashes of color in 2021. Very fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so Katie and I were doing some creeping on your website. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and we saw that you um, have taught or maybe are um, currently or, or in the future will be resuming uh, tablescape workshops. And we thought that, that was like really cool and very unique. So we wanted to hear about that. Yeah, so 
you know, I think for me personally, I've always had a love of entertaining. Like, I think that was ingrained in me from a child um, because my mom always made such a big deal about celebrations and holidays and um, still to this day is like loves to entertain. Um, so that was always important to me. And I, over the years, have just become a collector of sorts. So I just love like tabletop decor and candlesticks and you know, flatware and glassware. And so um, I'm sure my husband is like so sick of all of my collection <laughs> over our dining room and household and storage and everything. Um, but, you know, it's just a way for you to um, be creative. And so I have encountered so many women who just feel like they couldn't style a table so that it, you know, looked like Instagram. It was, you know, Instagram ready. Um, or women who, you know, didn't have a design background, but felt like they loved to entertain, but were kind of like self-conscious about not having like a perfect set of china. Um, and so I wanted to just empower people to know that like, you can take the things around your house and um, curate them in a way that looks really pretty and really intentional. And you just need to know, you know, some of the key elements in a well-designed table. So I created this tablescape styling workshop just as a way for like, women and men who are interested to come and like learn some techniques um and have fun and so i worked with several vendors that supplied rental items and they were just able to like let loose and um the first portion of the tablescape styling workshop was me talking um about my technique and doing a demonstration and then um one of my friends lauren of woven blooms she uh stepped in and did a floral demo um, and then the last like 45 minutes, everybody was able to pick and choose rental items that they loved and put together their own tablescape. Um, and then we had a professional photographer come and shoot everything. And so just like, it was fun to see how different people design and style the same items, um, and what people are drawn to. And it was fun to see them like light up and see that like, oh, I can design a table that is, you know, Pinterest worthy with the things that I have around my house. So it was, it was just fun for me. So it's definitely something that I look forward to doing in the future or, or even like a virtual workshop since a lot of people still, you know, want to stay home during this time. Yeah, that is really cool. I feel like that would, that could be like a fun, you know, like a bachelorette party or like some kind of group activity too, like outside of the regular stuff that you might do exactly um, yeah yeah that could be like its own bridal shower yeah <laughs> just combine them right. <laughs> very cool um so before we sign off uh we did want to ask if you had anything that you'd like to promote your social media your website events um, and where people can go to get more information about Blush and Blossom. Absolutely. So I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Blush and Blossom Events. And um, my website is blushandblossomevents.com. Um, so if you have any inquiries, you can contact me there. Um, and then I'm on Pinterest as well at Blush and Blossom. Amber, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot and yeah, uh, really. no, no disposable cameras. 
me. It was such a treat. Absolutely. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.